Well, today we are continuing our series, The Way Forward, and we are going to talk today specifically about our leader. If you ever miss any of the sermons and you want to go back, they're on Facebook, they're on YouTube, they're on the website, wordserve.org slash sermons, and you can go back and listen to anything. You can rewind. Did Bill really say that? Yes, rewind. Clip it. Send it to your friends. This is what my pastor said. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's all possible. Our mission, our values, and our vision is what we've covered. We're talking about our leader today, and then next week, we're talking about us. I just want to talk about me, uh, WordServe. That's the way it is going. I want to talk today, uh, I, I want to share a little bit of my personal story, because you know, people think, I don't know what people think about pastors. I, I had my own impressions before I was one. <laughs> now that I am one, whoa, that was, was I off base, right? So people think pastors are these holy individuals who never experience spiritual dryness, never experience prayerlessness, never experience an absence of God's love. That is not true. I, I, there was a time in my life when faith came alive for me. Now, now, understand, I was raised in the church. I never knew a time that I didn't know Jesus. I mean, from my earliest recollection, I knew who Jesus was. That's the way I was raised. But there was a time in my adult life shortly after college graduation, where Jesus was not important to me. And then in my later adult life, Jesus became very important to me again, and I was on fire for Christ. I, mean, I couldn't stop thinking about him. I couldn't stop seeing him and everything that was going on. I saw his hand everywhere. Uh, it just filled me with this, do you know the feeling I'm talking about? It's kind of like a combination of joy and strength and, and, and peace all at once. It's hard to describe, but if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And I was like, well, this Christian thing is awesome. I should have done this earlier. And then came the spiritual burnout. Right? Because uh, I guess there was an expectation on my part. When I followed Jesus, I should, I should experience certain things. I should experience success in certain areas. I should experience this lack of trouble from the world. I should experience peace that passes understanding 24-7 and never be riled by anything that's going on. No, that's not true. And, and so there's this expectation meeting reality problem and when that happens sometimes we get spiritually burnt out or maybe even physically burnt out i'm not going to ask for a show of hands uh, anybody who's ever experienced burnout because i expect that that number would be pretty high a and you don't have to admit that in front of your friends but i know uh, in, in talking to people throughout the years that it, burnout is more frequent than we care to admit and we don't admit it because we're, by golly, Americans, and we can stand proud, and we can do, or, or, uh, or uh, other representatives, uh, <laughs> we can, by golly, stand on our own two feet, and we are independent, and we don't need help. Also not true, and that is not true. So in this point of my spiritual burn, and that, that by the way, was not at word, sir. This was earlier. I'm, I'm fine now. I'm perfect now. <laughs> not. But I, I'm not spiritually burned out. In case you're wondering, is Bill on his way out? No, I'm fine. This is not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is my experience earlier in life. And so I began to ask myself, how do I reignite that? And why am I so spiritually dry? I couldn't understand it. As I got to thinking about it, I was like, well, here's what really disconnected me. It's like, if Jesus has this great mission and can't even be beat by death, then why aren't we winning as Christians? Why does this world look so terrible? Why are the stats telling us that, that we're no longer a Christian nation, that, that Christians are on the decrease? If Jesus has such a powerful mission, why are we not winning? And then furthermore, if God is all-powerful and can make anything happen, why isn't he making this happen? Why is the world the way it is? 
and uh, oh, by the way, at that, at that time, I was living in an entirely different world, and it was, you know, you see the, the worst of the worst and the best of the best, but that's where I was. Could not understand it. And what I learned later, and by the way, this is the way I always learn. I learn by looking back. So this is my encouragement to anyone who's going through stuff right now. If you can't see it, if you can't see the answer, you can't see God hang in there. Because it's the hindsight where we see God's hand at work. I rarely see it in the moment. But what I learned from that is, as I have seen God work in the past, that gives me the faith to exist in the present. No matter what it is, I know that it's going to be okay. So that's my encouragement to you this morning. If you're in the middle of it, hang in there. Have faith. And you'll be able one day to look back and see where God's hand was at work. As I did that, I could see God's hand at work. I had faith restored. I had my flame reignited, if you will. But it was a different flame this time because my expectations met reality. My expectations weren't based on what I thought Jesus should be. My expectations were what Jesus said he was. And so I began a serious period of study and discernment and trying to understand who Jesus really was. Do I understand him completely? No. <laughs> His ways are higher than my ways. I'll probably never understand him completely, but here's what I learned. I understood enough of him that I could trust him. If I can trust him, I can follow him. If I follow him, he will lead me. That's been the rest of my life, and that's what leads me today. What is it with our leader? Why doesn't he just do something? Why doesn't he speak more clearly? Why doesn't he make this happen so this world's a better place? Well, my expectations were off, and I'm not the first one, and you're not either. The disciples' expectations were off as well. Let me set the stage for the scripture that we're going to read today out of Acts chapter 1. Maybe you've heard of this guy named Jesus. Uh, he came as the son of the living God, was crucified, dead, and buried. And then, whoa, wait, there's more. He came back from the grave, and now he's spending time with his disciples. This is post-crucifixion, and he has risen again. He's spending time with his disciples. And that's where our story picks up today in Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> I'm having uh, advance 1. Apparently, I burned out the screen. <laughs> there we go. All right. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's giving them some very important instructions. And here is what he says. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, that's Jesus eating with the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. Did you hear that? You will be my witnesses to all the ends of the earth, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and beyond. That sounds exciting, does it not? But did you hear the disciples' expectations not meet reality? 
let's unpack this verse. We're going to take it a, a couple of verses at a time. We're going to start. Wow, that looked a lot grayer on my screen. Anyway, uh, the first few verses here. On one occasion, he was talking to them, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift. John baptized with water. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's easy for us today to read that verse and go, oh, how quaint. The disciples are sitting around in a room, probably with uh, you know, some air freshener and uh, having a few drinks and talking about things, and they're just waiting for this wonderful gift that's going to change their life. That is not true. Think about what just happened. Now, Jesus was on earth for a very short time after his resurrection, right? It wasn't, we're not talking years, we're talking days. In that space, what had just happened in Jerusalem? Well, there was a giant trial. Jesus was crucified. Disciples were hunted. Peter feared for his life. That's why he denied Christ three times. He said, I don't know that guy. I don't, I don't want to be in this thing. No, no, no. I, this crucifixion is a terrible thing. Jesus was freshly crucified, and Jerusalem was in uproar, and people were looking for his disciples. And what does Jesus tell them? Go back through Jerusalem, i.e. the scene of the crime, and wait for it. Wait for what? The Holy Spirit. What's that? And why is this so important? It would not surprise me if those disciples were sitting in the same upper room that they sat with Jesus just a month ago, and lo and behold, they're waiting for this thing that they don't really know why they're waiting for, but it's going to be powerful. So the next piece, you know, just, just let that sink in. This was, this was not a low-risk mission, right? They're, they're back in the heart, the scene of the crime, and they're supposed to wait for this Holy Spirit. And watch what happens next. They gathered around Jesus, and they said, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom? Think about those disciples and what they went through. These people gave up everything to follow this man while he was on earth. And the promise was that they're going to be something great someday. When he overthrows the Romans and he takes over, we're going to know the guy. He's going to get us set up. We're going to be powerful. And we're going to restore the kingdom like it was in Solomon's day. This is going to be glorious. Did their expectations meet reality? <laughs> no. And I think that was they were keenly aware of that as they saw their Savior hanging on a cross, dying a criminal's death, that maybe they'd made the wrong choice. Maybe this wasn't the guy to follow. But there's more to the story. See, that's what we can look at in hindsight and see. There's much more to this story. But their expectation was, that, okay, Jesus rose from the grave. He's going to give us this power. Okay, so this is it. Now we're going to restore this great kingdom. We're going to be just like Solomon, right? Not so fast. You're not given that authority to know. No one is. So what is this power for? And, and the disciples just can't let go of this earthly kingdom idea and the power that they'll have. But what is the power given for? Well, we go to the third piece of this. You will receive power on you so that, or and so, you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, the expectation is that I would have power so my life is different, so so that I can be powerful, I can conquer things, I'm never in, in distress, I'm never sick, I'm never poor, I'm never whatever you blank you want to fill in. In reality, the power that God gives me is so that I can be his witness. And that's when it strikes me. Am I trying to use that power for something other than being a witness of God? That's what the power is for. Now think about this, you, the people who like tools out there, you could buy the most wonderful, expensive screwdriver in the world, and it is high class, man. This screwdriver is primo, five-star rating on Amazon, right? 
But if what you need is something to drive a nail in, no matter how wonderful the screwdriver is, it's a poor fit for the task. No matter how much we try to appropriate Jesus' power, we're a poor fit for the task unless we use that power to be witnesses of Jesus and his message. Unless we are his witnesses to Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and beyond, we're not appropriating the power correctly. So what is this power? What is it for? What does it look like? <laughs> it is time for the Holy Hoover. Yes. Rhonda mentioned last week that one time I was dumb enough to bring a vacuum cleaner as a sermon illustration, and so I thought, I'm up for a challenge. And the cool thing is that I planned this sermon like months ago, right, Jenny? I mean, this, is, this has been on the docket for a while. It just so happens that today's sermon actually works with a vacuum cleaner. So, voila, the Holy Hoover. This is us. We are created in Hoover's image. And we are all equipped to be this witness for Jesus Christ. So here's what typically happens. We go, huh, this thing is supposed to make my world better and neater, but nothing looks different. And so some kind soul comes along and says, well, you're not doing it right. You're supposed to, here, watch. You, you do this, and then you move like this, and this makes your world better. And so you try it for a while, and you go, you know what? My world doesn't look any different, and I'm just tired now. And nothing has changed. And somebody says, well, you're not doing it right. It's supposed to make noise when you do that. And so you go, oh, got it. And now you're tired and out of breath, but your world hasn't changed. Life is not different. And so some kind soul comes along and says, no, no, no. This is probably a more experienced Hooverite disciple at this point. Says, no, you're just going through the motions. You're just going through the motions, and you're just saying and singing the right things, but you're not doing it right. There's a switch. You have to flip the switch. Got it. And nothing changes. I am so frustrated. I'm spiritually burned out because I'm doing the right things. I'm going through the motions. I'm saying. I'm singing the right things. I have accepted Christ. That is the switch. Faith enables God's power, but it does not guarantee God's power. Let that sink in for a second. Faith enables this to flow, but it does not guarantee it. All right? What is the thing that's missing? Power. And where does that power come from? And what does the power look like in today's age? The Holy Spirit. I am lacking the Holy Spirit. I can go through the motions. I can say the right things. I can sing the right things. I could even say I believe in God, but unless I am open to receiving the Holy Spirit, I'm wasting my time. I'm getting tired, and my world doesn't look any different. Here's the last mistake that we all make, and I know this because I am chief among you in this mistake. Good grief. Who wound this thing up? <laughs> I take this and I plug it into the wall. That wall for you might be power. It's a worldly power. That wall for you, that wall outlet might be status. It's the title that I carry. That wall for you might be how much money I can make on this earth. But here's the problem with that. I am still reliant on something else for power that is temporary. It's not eternal. And I am very limited by how far I can go with that when it comes to God's creation. 
See, we think this is the most wonderful thing, and, and I'm going to be rich and powerful and have all the status. I'm going to restore the earthly kingdom, just like when Solomon was there. But we find pretty quick that we run out of cord. And that is also determined if that power flows through that wall. That's not in my control. It's not in anybody's control. Who's watched the stock market lately? You see where I'm going with this? So what do you do with this? This is the key question of the day. Where do I connect? Right there. And that's why we say it. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Open up the channel for the Holy Spirit to go. You believe? Great. You flip the switch. Now connect. Baptism by water takes away all the junk. It allows this connection to happen. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is saying, let it come. And God, let me use that power for the purpose that you intended it for, not for me. I don't want your power so that I can be famous. I don't want your power so that I can be rich. I want your power so that I can be your witness to the whole world. And once we get that lined up, man, one, you can go anywhere with this cord. You could literally go, I don't know, around to the ends of the earth because that's what he says. So here's the key question of the day. How are you going to connect? Now, there's all kinds of theological terms that we could use. There's all kinds of scriptures I could put up, but think about this. I just want to make it as simple as possible. If you met, maybe you don't know Jesus, and this is all new to you, or if you're out there in, in camera land, think about how you would connect with someone you just met. I've met you. I like your act. I'd like to get to know more about you. What would you do? Give me some examples. Spend time with them. Awesome. What else? Kind of weird just to sit there and stare at them, isn't it? That's not creepy. Listen to him. Have a conversation with him. Find out what makes him tick. Find out what the purpose of the mission is. Hey, how can I help you? That's a question I don't ask enough of Jesus. How can I help you? Because typically my question to Jesus is, here's how you can help me. I got a list, right? How about we turn that around? God, how, how can I help you? How can I be your witness in this? Maybe that's the first one. Now, for most of the people that I see sitting here, I know you know Jesus. I know you've been around, but maybe you've experienced that spiritual burnout like I did before. So here's my question to you. If you had a long lost friend, you were once very close, but now you've grown, grown <laughs> easy for me to say, now you've grown distant, how would you reconnect with that friend, what would you do? <laughs> Reach out. Yeah, it's the same thing, whether it's new or reacquaintance, but here's the good news for all of us sitting here today. You're not treading new ground. You've had a relationship once before. You maybe experienced this excitement in Christ, and you can again. It's easy. It, well, it's simple. It may not be easy, but it's a pretty simple process. Get to know them again. Sit down with them. Spend time with them. Read about them. Learn about him. Ask, how can I help your mission? This is how we reconnect. This is what it is to experience the power that breaks every chain, which we just sang about. So, somewhere I put down my remote, too many toys in one day. <laughs> Here we go. So moving on from the Holy Hoover here, which I will leave in prominent display because this is us. Listen to these last words. This is how to reignite a flame that will never end because it's not your flame and it is not consuming you. 
It is traveling through us. This is Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so everyone who says, and I am chief among you again, I'm just not feeling God's power. I'm not feeling direction. I, I feel so disconnected. Why isn't God doing something? Why doesn't Jesus make this plan work? Here's what I would say. You want to experience God's power? Do something that requires God's power. Be his witnesses. In Jerusalem, in the scene of the crime, you know that place where someone just mocked and scorned you? Be a witness in that place. In Judea, in your hometown where people know you, like I grew up with you, you're no saint, I know, but Jesus makes things different. I know you know everything about my past, every dark secret. I know you have things that you could hold over my head does not matter because Jesus is now in my life. And the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't just make me 2.0. It makes me new. Jerusalem, Judea, where they know you, and Samaria, where they hate you. Yeah, even be a witness in the places where people hate you. And you may or may not be a witness to the ends of the earth. Not everybody is called to be a traveling missionary. It, it, take it to the, the, the uh, what does it say, to the ends of the earth, to the utmost, most remote place of the earth. For some, that is a missionary call, and I applaud them. But you know what I found to be the utmost desolate place on this earth? The human heart. And it might be sitting right across the street from you. And I'm not judging. I'm not saying these people are terrible. I'm saying they're missing Jesus. How do I know this? Look at the world. Does it look like we've cleaned up our mess? No, we need witnesses. Witnesses right at the scene of the crime where you were mocked and scorned. Witnesses in the hometown we grew up in, even though people know our every deep and dark secret. Witnesses even to people who hate us and can't stand us. We still need to be witnesses to the utmost places, the depths of the heart of those around us, and we are chief among them. If we can do that, if we can receive the Holy Spirit, we will have a source of energy that never runs out. Now, that doesn't mean we take a break. I don't want to burn out the motor. But the source is guaranteed as long as the source is used for the purpose intended to be witnesses. And if we will accept the Holy Spirit, and if we will be witness to the earth, then life will be different. Will you pray with me, please? <clears throat> God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you even more so for the life that he lived, the death that he died, and the life that he lives again. Because in that we find eternal hope. And God, today of all days, I am most thankful for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that guides us, that energizes us, that shows us the way, that gives us the power that we need to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. God, many of us don't feel adequate to be a witness of yours. My prayer today is that we would set aside any expectation we have of having to have the exact right words to say or the right degree behind our name or the right title in front of our name and just to recognize that you are a God who works in and through us. Just like you did the common fishermen that you recruited as your disciples. God, there is nothing that we have that you need. 
but through us, you can supply every need. You can supply the right answer. And maybe it's not even words, God. Help us to remind ourselves that as we live our lives, just the way we conduct ourselves in you is a witness. And as people see a life that is different, they'll want to know, how are you different? How can I get that? God, let that be the invitation to a life that is transformed, a life that is lived under the power of the Holy Spirit, not to build our kingdom, not even to restore the kingdom of old, but to restore a new kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.